It was our first morning in Jerusalem last September. About 35 of us pilgrims were piled on the bus, bleary-eyed and excited and anxious for all that was about to unfold as we explored the Holy Land together. As we headed to one of our first stops, a vista looking out over the whole of the old city, our guide gave us a heads up of what to expect. Iad is a key leader in the Episcopal Church in Jerusalem, and he has been guiding pilgrims there for many years. He is a Palestinian, an Arab Christian, and he was born there in Jerusalem. He has warm eyes and a generous smile and a whole lot of wisdom. Iad explained that at our next stop, we would meet his cousin, who sold scarves and maps and trinkets. He said that we could trust his cousin, that he was a good man, and that he would appreciate our business. And sure enough, the man was there, his shop spread out under an old olive tree, ready for us as the morning sun was already beating down. We perused what he had to offer, some people bought some things, and then before long we were off to our next stop. I didn't give it much thought, though I remember feeling that it was curious that that these two cousins had pursued such different kinds of work, one from the other. Later that day, Iad introduced us to another cousin of his, of his, this time someone who ran a fantastic restaurant. In the coming days, we met a cousin of his who ran a shop selling hand-blown glass near Jericho, and another cousin who sold all manner of olive wood uh, art in Bethlehem. We met his Jewish cousins and his Muslim cousins and his Christian cousins. Now, I love that you're already laughing, but I, I was not there yet. I was astonished by how big his family was and, and how diverse. I found myself hoping to hear some of their family stories, thinking, surely they must be marvelous. Go tell my brothers. Jesus has just emerged from the tomb. He has surprised Mary Magdalene and the other Mary on the road out beyond the city. And this is what rises up as most important for him. Let's back up for a moment. The last few days have been awful for all involved. We can forget that. As we gather all these years later with soaring music and the lilies and, and I, I sense just a little bit of joyful energy and anticipation of perhaps the egg hunt that is to come. But that's not where the women are in our gospel. They are heartbroken and terrified. That is how they arrive at this cave. Their beloved teacher, their dear friend, is dead. Even worse, it was a torturous and humiliating death. 
It was designed to be a brutal tool of the empire's oppression. The women have come to anoint his body, to grieve while they can still come close in this tender way. They have not come looking for life or for connection or for hope. It is a sorrowful decision to keep muddling forward that brings them out of their homes this morning. But what they find, of course, is entirely different. By the time they encounter Jesus, they've already heard a version of this news from the dazzling angel, so bright he all but blinds them. Jesus puts it even more simply. Go tell my brothers. Go tell my siblings, my family. Go to Galilee. Go tell my kin that we will be together there. Their meeting could have gone countless other ways. He could have told them to keep it a secret, as he so often did throughout his ministry. He could have told them to go and save themselves, to hide out, as the authorities were now on high alert for his followers. And surely they would be looking for them even more intensely once they heard that the body was gone. Or maybe, maybe still feeling the anguish of his crucifixion, he could have told them to go and fight, to go find the people who did this and do whatever they could to topple them from power. But that's not where he lands. First and foremost, he reaches for family. Go tell my kin. Go find them and go tell them to get ready to be together again. As our pilgrimage progressed, my confusion only grew as I tried to wrap my mind around just how many cousins Iyad had. I, I could blame it on the wild time difference, but the truth is that I was stuck. I was stuck in the literal and genetic and binary way we so often see the world. Either you and I are related or we're not. But he was free of that. The mix of, of wonder and absurdity finally reached a tipping point, and I, I was suddenly laughing out loud as I realized that, that, yes, all of these people were absolutely his relations, and that probably only a very few of them were related by blood. It is countercultural, it often feels mind bending. And it's what Jesus is calling us to be as his body in the world. Most, if not all, of his disciples are not actually Jesus' siblings. Or, put another way, they are absolutely his sisters and brothers, and almost none of them share parents. Jesus' priority in those first hours of his resurrection is to run to this created web of kin. And that's what we did here just last night. I asked the gathered congregation at the vigil if they, and by they I mean all of you also, 
would do all in their power to support these fabulous youngsters in their life. Navarro and Maguire, who we baptized last night. There in the dark of the night, the space reverberated with that collective shout of we will. And we came to that font and we baptized them. And our family got a little bigger. The body was stretched a little wider. Cousins, brothers, family. There was another way that our guide in the Holy Land taught me about relatedness. One that has stuck with me since I've come home. As we settled into this new rhythm of life and exploration there, I noticed that, that whenever Iyad met someone or was saying goodbye to them, he said the word Habibi. He said it continually to, to shopkeepers, to police officers, to bus drivers and bread bakers, and they all said it back to him. Whether they were speaking in Arabic or English, I heard this again and again, Habibi, Habibi, Habibi. I only know a, a couple of words, a couple of phrases in Arabic, but it caught my attention. And finally I asked him what it meant. My love, he said. That's what they were all saying to each other as they greeted and as they parted ways. Habibi, my love across different languages and creeds and social classes and homelands, all of it. Countless cousins in every corner, every one of which he embraced, exclaiming, Habibi, Habibi, my love. Jesus shows us that this is the way of resurrection. It is simple and bold and soaked through with love. Go tell my brothers, he exclaims. Run, tell your sisters. Quick as you can, go find your cousins, your aunts, your beloveds. Give them whatever scrap of hope you can. Shower them with any good news you can offer, no matter how big or small. Gather them to see this new life. Pull them close to meet the grace that is appearing even now. This is the priority, Jesus tells us. This is what we need to do first, straight away, to find this family, to be this family with everyone we meet. We offer what is good, Embracing all as our kin, naming everyone as Habibi, my love.